Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, you're very welcome to the Mick Clifford Podcast with the Irish Examiner. Now, as practically the whole world at this stage knows, the US presidential election has been thrown into turmoil following Donald Trump's positive test for coronavirus. As it happens, some hours before the positive result was confirmed, we recorded the following interview with CNN technology and politics reporter Donny O'Sullivan. Donny was in Minnesota, having attended the rally at which the virus apparently first surfaced with a member of the president's staff. I started by putting it to Donny that he'd had a long night at the event. That's right. Rally here last night. I'm, I'm still up here in a in a place called uh, Duluth, Minnesota. Um, although I've been told that uh, my my pronunciation of it is is not right because the Irish we can't pronounce our ths. So, uh, but but <laughs> but at least your your most of your audience will understand where I am. But yeah, we were here at the Trump rally last night. It was obviously his first rally since uh, the first debate, and he kept it pretty short, actually. Um, you know, most of his, his previous speeches in the past few weeks have gone long over an hour, an hour and a half, sometimes quite rambly. But last night, you know, it was pretty it was pretty cold out there. And uh, it was it, he, he's holding these events uh, basically outdoors at airports. So it was pretty breezy last night. We're up here uh, by Lake Superior. Uh, so he kept it to, to well under an hour. Um, and, you know, of course, unsurprisingly, uh, he said that he won the debate and, and that he, he, you know, uh, 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 wipe the floor with Joe Biden. There's something from what I've seen, what I've seen on, on, on your channel, CNN, Donny. there's something, I think you can nearly describe it as evangelical about these gatherings. I mean, he arrives, they're obviously falling over themselves in adulation and uh, he spits out plenty of fire and brimstone in his own unique way. It, 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 it seems to be an extraordinary kind of an event. I mean, whether you like the guy or you don't like the guy, it's an incredible spectacle. I mean, it's the greatest show in town. You know, he's coming, a lot of time he's coming to very small towns uh, in, in very rural parts of the country, you know, uh, towns that aren't maybe much bigger than Carsevine, where I'm from, or a lot of smaller towns at home. Um, and he's flying in and he's having these events, uh, big stage, big lighting, uh, all the signage, uh, and he's having them at sort of airport hangars or, or, or places where he can land the plane. The plane, about five minutes out from when he arrives the music starts pumping and they, they play the same song at every rally. Uh, they play um, uh, the, the Phil Collins song, uh, Feel It In The Air. And they almost time <laughs> it to have Air Force One landing down uh, as the drum solo hits in. So, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. You have all the, the bright lights, the cameras, this music blaring. And then, you know, Air Force One, this incredibly <laughs> impressive, I think, Boeing 747, shiny, landing down, you know, really to the middle of nowhere a lot of the time. Certainly, I only went to my first Trump rally a few weeks ago. Last night was only my second time uh, going to a rally. And, you know, it's, it is absolutely incredible. And then the, the plane pulls right up, basically next to the stage. The, 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 the stairs uh, get pulled over to the, to the airplane and he steps out. The crowd goes crazy. 
And then he comes up and 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 does a, a speech. And you know, in some ways, the speech is almost the 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 least exciting part about it because he does tend to go on. And what I have seen at the rallies I've been at least is once the speech starts going over an hour or half, even over half an hour, you see a lot of people leaving. It's sort of like uh, it's sort of like when when Carrier play in Dublin and and Carrier are trashing Dublin and you know the dubs the dubs would leave early. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not, not for a long while. time ago. Not we were talking about there, Tony. I'm afraid, unfortunately. Um, one obvious thing there: social distancing, masks. No, no, uh, none of it. I mean, us in the media, we're at the back in our sort of our holding pen, and Trump obviously shouts uh, at the stage in pretty much every rally, saying, "Look, there's the fake news," and everybody turns around and jeers. We're there. We're wearing our masks. We're you know social distance if we're not wearing masks. But in terms of the, the crowd at the rally, no, they're all packed in. Now, Trump will say, oh, well, they're outdoors. Um, you know, some people are wearing masks, but I mean, you know, most people are not. Uh, no socially distancing. And, you know, that that's, that's you know, the big thing. It, it, it's, it is difficult to actually, we've been, tr- people have been trying to track to say, you know, with these Trump rallies happening, has there been spikes in cases uh, in those areas? But it's an incredibly difficult thing to track because actually a lot of the states he's coming to, the cases are pretty high already. Um, so it's 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 hard to, but I mean, Trump was asked about this on the debate on Tuesday night and he said, well, it's outdoors. And he said Biden would be doing it too if Biden could get the crowd. I saw that. That's, 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 that's Trump's reaction to it. But I mean, it is quite incredible because like his own health officials, the public guidance is to socially distance, to wear masks. And yet he's out here, the president of the United States, uh, going right against that, basically. And the people themselves, Donny, do you get the impression that they don't wear the mask in a matter of principle, this uh, civil liberty as they would see it, or libertarian as others would see it, or damn crazy as a lot of people would see it? Is it a matter of principle with a lot of them, do you think? Uh, it's a mix. So, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to come to these rallies and, and what I've been doing, actually, is my main coverage is is standing in line all day with the supporters and chatting to them and, uh, you know, having a bit of crack, but also... Uh, uh, seeing what they think and particularly speaking about what they're seeing on social media. Um, when it comes to masks, you know, a lot of them say masks are stupid. A lot of them be, view it as a politicized issue. So a lot of them see it as, well, if you're wearing a mask, you must be a Democrat, which, you know, it's a, just it is it it's it's incredible and unfortunate in this country that almost literally everything, I guess, gets politicized. You know, if, if, if one does, if one says black, the other has to say white and vice versa. Um, some folks are, are I guess, uh, there's also like, there is a, a contingent of folks, I think, that are in very rural parts of the country and they they feel, um, you know, they might be farmers or whatever and they, they feel a bit distant um, and that, you know, they're like, we don't wear masks in our day-to-day life. Uh, so why would I wear it here? Um, that being said, there there were a few folks in the crowd yesterday that were wearing masks. But you almost get the feeling that, like, uh, I, I, I think some people probably at the rally who would who'd want to wear a mask probably feel a bit pressure from the crowd not to wear it. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and to take it off. So it's 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 a it's a it's a, it's an odd one. But, you know, uh, it's 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 scary. It is. I mean, as you say, it's, it's, the opposite is the case here. I mean, I, I know myself. I actually happened to me the other morning, I went into a shop early and I came out and I realised I hadn't been wearing the mask and I went, oh my God, you know, you nearly feel dirty. And it's, it, it, it seems to be the complete polar opposite to that. But tell me, what, what you talk to them in line 
Donnie, and I don't mean that in, in a pejorative way, and I say you talk to them as if they're a foreign species, but on the basis that a lot of people have some difficulty in getting their heads around how Mr. Trump could be so popular, what in general terms is the attraction that you hear from, from people who come to these rallies? Uh, in general terms, uh, they they say he's a straight talker, which... I mean, I guess he does not mince his words. You can't, you can't say that he minces his words. They think he's a straight talker. They view him, even though he's this millionaire or billionaire, whatever he claims um, he is, uh, who hasn't paid a lot of federal income tax in a while. Uh, they view him still as a sort of anti-establishment figure, uh, a, a person who is not a politician. Um, and I think a lot of people also, too, find him entertaining. Do you know what I mean? I think that's sometimes left out of, of the equation when people are trying to wrap their heads around why is Trump so popular in the US is that, you know, just, I mean, to extend to at home, you know, a lot of people vote um, not on the policies, but on the person, whether they like that person. Um, and Trump is incredible with, with the bluster. Um, and he's incredible at, he's, he's also incredible at, at making, I suppose, people feel the fear of the other, you know, um, and saying whatever circumstances you find yourself in life, however bad they are, it's not your fault. It's the fault of China. It's the fault of the immigrants. It's the fault of uh, the elites in Washington and New York. Um, it's not your fault. And, you know, I, I think there, there there is also something to that, of course, right? Because for a lot of people um, as well, you know, they, they see the, the politics for decades passing between Republicans and Democrats, Republicans and Democrats, and a lot of them will tell you, well, I haven't seen my life change much in that time, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Now, of course, there's been massive, you know, Obamacare, everything like that really had significant impacts on people's lives. But for a lot of Trump supporters who might be middle class, might have their health insurance already or something like that, uh, you know, a lot of them are saying, you know, I don't see this big change when Obama got elected from Bush, whatever. So they view Trump as this guy who's going to shake things up. And he's had four years and he hasn't shaken up much, really, I think. He's very good at giving the impression or the perception to some that he's done a lot of shaking up. But in brass tacks and real terms, I don't think there's much there to show for it in that regard. Yeah. And, you know, this, I think, is when the history books are sort of written on this time, I guess there'll be, you know, we'll be able to look at it and say there was just this perfect confluence of of factors all at one time you had trump who is not afraid of lying who's not afraid of blagging and bigging up his achievements or whatever and also at the other side of it you have social media and you know where nothing is really fact-checked where uh the bluster where the headlines where that sort of tabloidy approach works and that then reinforces uh everything that he's saying because if you're a Trump supporter, you know, he keeps saying the same message over and over again. Platforms like Facebook keep serving people the same messages over and over again. You also have the TV equivalent of that on Fox News. Um, so I think, you know, he really is the candidate for the, for the social media age and that sort of in a, in a cynical way, I suppose. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he'll repeat, like he will repeat over and over again the same, you know, whether it's about his job numbers or the economy he'll he'll be he'll be fudging numbers but he'll just stay doing it again and again and again even you know he did it at the debate so um you know it's it's he'll he'll keep saying it until people believe it and social media will repeat it for him you're absolutely right in terms of the demand for the age the other elements to that i suppose certainly in terms of 
his election in 2016. One, uh, his celebrity value, which came through The Apprentice, which we've seen in recent days, also saved him financially by all accounts. He understands television. He's a brilliant television performer. And the other thing was that of all the candidates you could have picked at the time, notwithstanding her ability, Hillary Clinton summed up the political establishment. She was a family, her husband, etc. Her background, the whole thing. And... As you said, when you throw that into the confluence events that you were talking about, it it was in a lot of ways the perfect mix. But this time around, things are a bit different. He has a record. Joe Biden ain't Hillary Clinton, and he, he may have his own frailties, literally physically in some ways, as, as well as others. But it could be a very different election from that point of view, Donny. Yeah, I mean, do you know, the, 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 the visceral hate for Hillary Clinton among a segment of the population was, and and not insignificant segment of the population, like a lot of people really hated her, um, which Trump was able to tap into, of course, and, and, and build on that. You know, that isn't there in, in that level, I don't think, in, in even close for Biden. Um, so the tactic for Trump and his campaign every single day has been to paint Joe Biden as though he's losing it, um, you know, as, as though he that he wouldn't be capable or fit um, to, to, to be the president. Um, but what is interesting about that is, you know, they, they, they're making this argument and, um, you know, but rather than mostly using Biden's own words or actions, what we've seen now in the past few weeks is the Trump campaign using doctored, edited misleading videos, almost on a daily basis. Trump campaign or, or Trump Jr. is pushing them out. So there's, he, they, they've, they've been, for instance, last week they posted uh, a video of um, Biden supposedly forgetting uh, the Pledge of Allegiance. Then they said, look, there, he's lost it. He can't, he wasn't even trying to, if you watch the full clip, the full speech he was giving, he wasn't trying to recite the full pledge. There's also another video that was circulating a few weeks ago that appeared to show him falling asleep during a live TV interview. Um, and we called it out at the time. We fact-checked it. And the Trump campaign said to us, oh, CNN, you got to get a better sense of humor. You know, this is clearly a joke. Everybody knows it's a joke. It's a meme. I went to a Trump rally here in Minnesota two weeks ago. I was asking people about what they're seeing on social media, what they think of Biden. And one guy said to me, really nice guy, um, seemed like, you know, just nice guy. Was chatting to, he said, um, he said, well, well, Biden is losing it. He said, sure, Biden even fell asleep during a live TV interview a few weeks ago. And I, I pulled up the video from him on my phone and I said, that, that wasn't a real video at all. That was a fake, that was doctored. And... Your man says, well, I could have believed it would have happened. But you were fake news. Not, the, not <laughs> In some instances, if he was echoing Trump, he would have said, you're the fake, not the videos. And that, that seems, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I know coming from, from CNN going into a Trump event like that, I am not the perfect messenger. Um, but, you know, like if, uh, it, it, it's just incredible because, I think, you know, we, we talk a lot about like whether it's social media or, or, you know, fake videos online. And I think a lot of times people don't think, oh, that doesn't have any impact or they can't see the impact. But there you actually had a guy, his first example of why 
Biden wouldn't be fit for president was actually based on a false video and on something that was completely made up. So look, and I mean, I think there there are people who like talk about Joe Biden's fitness for office and otherwise. But I guess my point is, is that, you know, the Trump campaign is leaning into this very heavily, but they seem now to be running out of actual real legitimate examples to support their argument. And now they are relying more and more on these fake videos, which, of course, they're relying on social media platforms to distribute. That's fascinating. And, and it's funny. Yeah. And you mentioned about the, the, the campaign suggesting when, when effectively you rumbled it, has CNN not got a sense of humour? A similar issue there was on uh, during the debate when Biden brought up Trump's um, suggestion that bleach might be used to attack coronavirus. Trump jumps in immediately. That was sarcastic. Everyone knows it was sarcastic. It was nothing of the sort. It became sarcastic when there was a reaction to it that said, this guy's off his rocker. But it, it, it's interesting the way, and as you say, on social media, there's no moderation. So people get this stuff, they get it in their feed, and there is nobody there to come in and say, yo, this is absolutely bananas. There's no truth to it. And and, and that's taken as read. It is, and of course, that's your area, Donny, that whole um, area online. Before coming to that, I just want to ask you about um, last night again, the browning of America, as it's called, which effectively means, you know, the shrinking of the, the, the white cohort in there. Was it nearly exclusively white at that um, rally last night? Yes. We're obviously in a, a part of the country where, you know, it's, it's predominantly white population. But yes, there it was, uh, you know, um, I, I, I actually noticed last night at one point somebody holding a sign, um, Blacks for Trump. And so I said, oh, I was like, oh, maybe there is a black person here, but I couldn't actually see them. So, it, you know, and, and there's the same, it was true also of, of the other, um, the other event a few weeks ago here in Minnesota um, to, to, you know, and other parts of the country, of course, when Trump goes to Florida or the Carolinas, uh, their African-Americans do show up. Um, and, you know, you can often be sure that uh, he'll, the campaign will place them right behind him. So you can see them on the TV screen sometimes, um, depending on where he is or, or, or what, what vote he wants to get at that time. So, um, no, it, it, was a, it was a very, very white event yesterday. And one of the big issues that came out of the debate was when um, Trump was asked, I think, effectively, whether he uh, would uh, condemn the white supremacists. And Joe Biden threw in the name of that group, Proud Boys, who I understand are a neo-Nazi outfit. Did that issue arise at all or did, did, did he call it out or anything in at, at the rally last night? Did he make any reference to that area? Because again, he would suggest, I presume there, that he's being unfairly portrayed or whatever. Yeah, so at the rally specifically, I'm not sure if he called it. I, I do know that when he was on his way, when he was leaving the White House, our reporters and, and our colleagues in Washington uh, asked him as he was uh, getting on, um, on on the helicopter uh, about us. And uh, he claimed that he didn't know anything about the Proud Boys. Uh, he claimed that he didn't know anything about the group that he told to stand back and stand by. Um, and of course, the campaign yesterday and the supporters I was talking to here, they said, oh, he's called out hate a load of times. He's called out this, but like, he, he hasn't, you know, <laughs> he really, he really hasn't. I mean, all he would have, all he could have said, like, it would have been very easy if he wanted to, the other day, to say at the debate stage, I condemn white supremacy, I condemn extremists, I condemn, the, but he doesn't do that because, you know, he knows that a lot of them like him and he likes people who like him. 
He does. He, he has what some might describe as some feelings in terms of ego, I'd suggest. But anyway, um, in general, as we know, Donny, the polls have been consistently so far in favour of Biden. The suggestion was that at this debate, Trump needed to land a few blows in an attempt to rein Biden in a bit. In in general, the reaction stateside, is there anybody who's saying, yeah, Trump managed to close the gap in, in that respect during the debate? No. And I mean, I spoke to a few dozen Trump supporters yesterday and even they were saying they were disappointed with the debate. Um, they wouldn't say particularly they were disappointed with Trump, uh, <laughs> but they were saying they were they were disappointed with the debate. Uh, you know, I think I think, as, as you said, my colleague, um, that Dan, Dan Abash, uh described it as, as, as a shit show, which it was. And I think, you know, it really was, you know, Everybody enjoys, a lot of people enjoy the bit of political theatre and, you know, the bit of back and forth and the bit of mudslinging. But, I mean, Jesus, over the 90 minutes of that debate the other night, there was literally hardly no policy at all, uh, you know, anything substantive discussed. Um, so I, I don't think anyone, even the Trump campaign themselves, you know, if you were talking to them on, on background or, or privately, uh, wouldn't say that that he won that debate. Um, you know, you talk of polls, and, and you're right in terms of like Biden appears to be up all across the board. Um, but you know, and I, I, I'm not an expert in polling. I'm not an expert in much, as they'd say. But I, uh, I, I am. Um, you know, I, look, we all know how the polls were also going in in 2016. Um, and also, you know, there's the whole month of October left, basically, uh, or the best part of it. Um, so, you know, I, I do think we're sort of still in the stage of anything can happen. Um, so I, I think Democrats certainly know not to get complacent and, and, and be overly confident. Yeah, two, just two things about the polls quickly. First of all, as you said, 2016, they turned out to be wrong. One would imagine or certainly hope that that is taken into account by the polling companies this time around and that hopefully they get things a bit more right one way or the other. The other thing, of course, Donnie, is that, as we know, the, the polls where they really matter is in the swing states. And as I understand it, even within those swing states in the Rust Belt, Florida, not to the same extent, some of the others, even within those, it's so far, it seems that Biden is polling ahead. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I in, there's basically, you know, uh, as I was looking at... at uh, my colleague John King, uh, the other day, who's as uh, some of your listeners might know him as the the guy who's at the sort of wall on election night at CNN with the map. Right. Uh, he was, you know, he was pointing out that you know on the face of it, right now, if you're taking the polling and all that, uh, you know, Biden definitely has a much many more paths to election than Trump. You know, he, he, I think John was even saying that Biden wouldn't even need many some of the swing states; he could sort of take it that way. Uh, but look at, I mean. As I say, I think it's it's probably foolhardy to to make many predictions. And of course, you know, for for a lot of Americans, for a lot of people, uh, you know, now is when they're getting engaged in the election. Sure, a great degree of the population have their minds made up and their minds will not change. Uh, but obviously, as we know, in this country, it's all about the swing voters. Um, and, you know, there's there's two debates left. There's a vice president debate. There is the what's known here as the famous October, infamous October surprises where all sorts of things might get dumped or leaked. You know, in 2016, that was the Access Hollywood tapes. We saw lots more of the WikiLeaks emails. So, you know, you don't know what's going to come up in October and you don't know how, you know, I mean, the Supreme Court, for instance, 
who would have thought a month ago that, you know, that would have been such a, an election issue. So, uh, you know, God knows what's going to happen between here and Election Day. But also, I guess, to to your point as well, Mick, is that a lot of people here are voting already, too. A lot, there's a lot of early voting. There's a lot of... So there are some votes cast. But, um, yeah, it's 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 still, I suppose, a lot of it's all, all to play for. No, Donny, online, as and as we discussed, the way that people, enough, most people get their uh, news these days, and particularly through Facebook feeds and what have you, we know there was a massive inquiry into what interference the Russians had in 2016. What's the state of play there, as you view it currently, in terms of, is there a lot of interference from abroad? Is it coming from Russia? Is there any sign of anything from China or any other country that would would, would not be regarded as a friend of the US? And is the country and the campaigns, are they far more prepared this time around for anything that might happen in that respect? Yeah, I mean, I think the US intelligence agencies, Silicon Valley, the media, uh, politicians, we're all quite prepared for the 2016 problem. I don't know if we're prepared for the 2020 problem. So the 2016 problem being, and the story being that, you know, foreign interference, that Russia was running these really big operations, sort of pulling strings on all sides of the political spectrum and, and trying to dissuade black voters from going out voting, trying to split the Democratic vote. Um, I've seen the companies and, 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 and agencies like the FBI being far more proactive this time, uh, calling out when they're seeing sort of covert activity uh, from foreign nation states, um, calling it out and making it public. So a few weeks ago, actually, um, Facebook announced, based off a tip from the FBI, that there was this left-wing magazine, online magazine, which was writing about all different sorts of things around the world, but was also focused on the the 2020 election, that was hiring writers, freelance writers in the US and in the UK and elsewhere uh, to write pieces for them. Uh, Sort of, you know, lefty folks to to write pieces. Um, It turned out that that so-called independent, what described itself as an independent magazine, was actually being run uh, by the same lads who were linked to this whole uh, Kremlin operation to troll the 2016 election. So, and and what they were doing there was they were sort of, they were doing some of the same tactics that they were doing in 2016. It was a left-wing magazine, so they were attacking Biden and Harris from the left with the potential, I suppose, um, well, we know this, you know, we know from the FBI director, Christopher Wray, said that the Russians right now are trying to... Uh, you know, attack the Biden campaign. Um, so I, I am, um, I, I actually went and as I, as I mentioned, this magazine was hiring uh, unwitting Americans to write for it, and I ended up meeting uh, one of the guys who, an American who unwittingly helped this Russian campaign, and he's an Irish American guy. Uh, his name is Jack, and you know he was shocked that he had been roped into this operation. Uh, so that stuff is happening. It's happening. I think, at least what we know of on a smaller scale. What we're not prepared for is the domestic misinformation, the stuff that's coming from Trump, the stuff that's coming from trolls within the US, the stuff that's coming from sort of, you know, a lot of these hyper-partisan outlets. Uh, Because obviously, of course, there's the spirit of free speech in the United States. It's a lot easier for platforms like Facebook or for agencies like the FBI to go and shut down stuff that it can link to a, a foreign nation state. It's a lot harder to shut stuff down, even if it's blatant misinformation in the final weeks of the election campaign, 
that is coming from real Americans. And that's where the real issue is. And that's the stuff that's going viral every single day. And, you know, I think that'll be the, that'll be the, when we're talking in four years time, please God, if we're still around, um, you know, that's what, that's what they'll say. It's, it's the domestic misinformation. Right. And when you say that, Donnie, and you mentioned Trump, I mean, is there any reason to believe, for instance, that the Republicans are doing more of that than the Democrats? You know, I, I know some of your listeners might say, well, this lads with CNN, so he would say that, wouldn't he? But I think, um, I mean, I think objectively, it's it's fair to say that Trump lies unlike any other politician or candidates in, in, in you know, recent American history. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that that yes, um, you know when I when I mentioned those fake videos earlier, those manipulated videos. I mean that stuff's really only coming primarily from the one side. It's coming from the Republican side. Um, and you know CNN will will fact check Biden all day too. We're happy to you know we we get it from both ends. You know neither side particularly likes us um, uh, most of the time. Um, but no, I mean, certainly in, in my realm of things, on the online side of things, it's, it's, it, there's so much more of it coming from, from the right wing. And it's so, and you know, actually a Facebook executive who only spoke anonymously uh, to Politico, uh, an uh, outlet here last week, uh, acknowledged that. He said, you know, right wing populism has always been more popular than, uh, than, than what you can do on the left. And th- this Facebook executive actually pointed to the example of 1930s Europe, uh, which was, was quite stark, but sort of they were, I guess Facebook was trying to make the argument to say, look, it's not our fault. You know, you're blaming us. It's not our fault. Uh, you know, the Nazis were doing this, uh, which is just a surreal sort of argument to make. Basically, Facebook saying, oh, well, sure, you know, we've got nothing to do with it. Uh, we'll just monetize the hell out of it anyway and, and make a few billion off it and uh, you go about, you know, your business. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that, that, but that, that it is part of it, I guess, right? That, that, that sort of, um, tabloidy type populist stuff, uh, goes more viral, can spread more easily, uh, because it's, 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 it's just that, that's the way it has been. One thing that strikes me about the, the foreign stuff rather than the domestic stuff, Donnie, is, for example, would any of Trump's supporters stop and wonder why there's the likes of Russia, and I've heard something about Iran, I don't know how solid that is, but the kind of countries that are very much opponents, if not enemies, of the USA, why they want Donald Trump in the White House? Well, you would think, but Trump has said for three, four years now, that whole, the story, the reporting on Russia is a hoax. Hoax, hoax, hoax. And he'll say it every day. And he'll say, and he'll tell his supporters, I've been tougher on Russia than anyone else. Um, and he'll point to some sanctions and different things that he did. And so that's what they're hearing. And, you know, a lot of them don't trust the media. Uh, a lot of them don't trust fact checkers. A lot of them don't trust the FBI now. Um, you know, which is which is a funny thing. Before, like, it was the, it would traditionally be the Republicans and stuff who'd be, you know, very uh, pro FBI and all law enforcement. Now it's it's sort of uh, cracking a bit. Um, so no, a lot of them just just think they buy Trump's line, which is it's all a hoax. One other thing, Donny, the one of the most worrying things to to develop in the last few weeks, anyway, at least, is Trump's refusal. And again, he did it during the debate 
to uh, accept that he will accept the outcome of the election. Is that being viewed with trepidation in the USA? Or are people just saying, well, that's Trump and things will change when it happens? Uh, both. Um, you know, and I think that's the real story here. I mean, the way I say it is, I think the sort of really crazy election stuff is going to happen the day after the election in that, you know, Trump is, if he doesn't win, he's going to claim it's a hoax, it's a fake, it's a scam, it's a cheat. And that's, you know, and, and like, you do have a lot of people here, God bless them, who said, you know, they're the same people who said five years ago, ah, Trump will drop out the week after he ran. And then they said, ah, well, he'll do the debate and he'll lose the first debate in the primaries in, in 2015. And then they'll say, ah, well, he won't win the primary. And then they say, ah, well, he won't win the election. Uh, on and on and on. And every time they say, ah, well, he won't do that. And he does it every time. And so you have you have people here, those basically the same people are now saying, ah, well, if he loses, he will accept the result. Uh, and, you know, a, a lot of it, I think, is there's a lot of like the, the belief in American exceptionalism, which gets drummed into people here, you know, from a very young age. Like a lot of people believe in the institutions. They believe to say, no, well, you know, we have our three um, arms of government and, and, and whatnot and with all the checks and balances and it all work out. Um, I think a lot of Americans are waking up to the, to the idea that that, that that might not be the case. And, uh, you know, please God, everything goes peaceful and, you know, maybe he'll make a noise for a few weeks. and But then eventually, uh, you know, if he does lose and, you know, he might just win it. <laughs> um you know, things will, things will, you know, move on. But, you know, I don't think that's, I don't think that's guaranteed. And and in some ways you can see some of these sort of proxy uh, events happening across the US, whether it's in Portland, whether it's in Washington over the summer, all the violence breaking out where you're seeing these far right groups, the Proud Boys that Trump called out on the stage, engaging in violence on the streets. Um, So, I mean, again, it comes back to that confluence of 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 factors there right like i mean if 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 things were going to go downhill uh you have all the right ingredients there for that, that to happen so i mean i think people who are just blindly saying he's going to accept the result of the election that's all going to be normal are, are kidding themselves he's tweeting every single day that the election's going to be rigged yeah as as you're saying it's it's something that's it's it's one thing for him to have captured the republican party up to now but if he starts going down this route it'll be very interesting to see that the other thing that arises there of course Tony is this business about his tax affairs that um, the New York Times broke this week one element to that is that there's a suggestion that he could be in hock to perhaps hundreds of millions uh, and therefore the only thing that's protecting him in one way in that regard is being in the presidency so if he's if, he, if he's to face into that God knows what he's going to do if he doesn't win this time around there could, yeah, I mean, you know, it, on all fronts, there could be, he could have money due. There's there's also investigations, you know, there's there's no shortage of, of Democratic attorney generals in, in, in the New York and else, you know, around the country that would be willing to, to try prosecute him. Uh, so you're right, you know, um, and, you know, I, I don't think all the reporting uh, is, is, is fully fleshed out there in terms of like what would happen, you know, uh, you know, what 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 would happen with these loans he has owes. But I mean, I think it's it's a very fair argument. And the New York Times also pointed out that, you know, he does have all this debt and that 
could in itself be what people have suspected for a long time. It's a national security threat. Because if you're owing money, who do you owe, who are who does he owe the money to? You know, that that's not known. Exactly. I mean the whole thing is stranger than anything Hollywood could have come up with. Donnie, you're in journalistic terms, you're living the dream because between now and November third, I suppose it's about as exciting as it can get in the USA right now. I mean, it's yeah, it's 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 extremely exciting. Um, you know, and my job is, as you said, Mick, is is you know I spend most of my time digging in on what's happening on Facebook and, uh, you know, sort of how misinformation spreads online and all that sort of thing. Uh, but you know, it's been great to, you know, I said to my bosses a few months back, I said, look, I said, you know, we have we have the way the way things are covered right now. We have political reporters who are out there in the field and and talking to supporters. And you have somebody like me who's, um, you know, behind my laptop screen and, and looking at how it's playing out on Facebook. I was like, we need to start working closer together uh, and, you know, actually like bridging that gap. And so what I've been doing now is coming out, uh, you know, spending half the day on my computer, seeing what's going around, what sort of false videos, the false claims, and then going out and talking to people in the tr- rally, in the lines. And, you know, uh, you can very much see that that. That, and probably this year more than any other year, because of we're all now stuck inside a lot more with a lot more time in our hands. The Internet is playing such a, a fundamental role in this election. And if, fe- you know, feeding into Trump's talking points, feeding into what people think about Biden, uh, feeding into all these conspiracy theories. So it's been great. It's it's extremely uh, exciting. And um, yeah, there's uh, not not much time for uh, long calls to Carsevine these days, but uh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Good stuff. And while you're at it, Donny, you, you you mentioned Kerry football. You know, if you're in a bit of luck, you might be home for Christmas because I think the All Ireland <laughs> schedule for December nineteenth. So I don't know whether Kerry will be in it or not, but you might be able to make it a double at that rate. Anyway. Exactly, exactly. If if I'm able to get, however, what is it? How how many people will they leave in the Croke Park at that stage? Five hundred well, people. You an issue? It'll be a bit like a Trump rally. <laughs> Donny O'Sullivan, thank you very much for joining us. Good luck with the rest of the campaign. We'll talk to you again. Thanks, Donny. Cheers, Vic. That's it for today, folks. Uh, I want to thank our engineer, JJ Vernon. Thank you for listening. You can get us on all the usual platforms or you can contact me on mick.clifford at examiner.ie or on the Twitter machine at at mickcliff. Take it easy and stay safe out there. On Formative, middle school kids from New York City public schools interview a phenomenal collection of grown-ups. Me, like, I don't know what I want to do. You don't have to have all the answers. I feel like a lot of people's favorite topics are, like, interest in their life. That is a really good answer. The podcast where the leaders of today are interviewed by leaders of tomorrow. Listen now at newyorkedge.org slash formative or wherever you get your podcasts.